Welcome to Black Warren Reads, a weekly showcase from the authors of current releases from Black Warren Books. All stories read are available for purchase from BlackWarrenBooks.com, Amazon, and wherever ebooks are sold. Thank you for joining in, and enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Black Warren Reads on this day, Tuesday, February 6, 2024. Uh, I am David M. DeMar, otherwise known on the Black Warren Discord as Dave the Dragon, and I will be uh, introducing this evening as our managing editor, Vaughn R. DeMont, is simply listening in tonight as he does not have a, uh, a voice role that he needs to read tonight. Uh, speaking of, tonight we will be continuing with our reading of my novel, uh, Certified Gold on the Air. Uh, we are starting with Chapter 17 tonight, and joining us tonight as part of our voice cast, we have Kez McDonald as Anagen. Unlike how uh, Vaughn pronounces it, it is actually not Anagen, uh, and don't let anybody tell you any different. Uh, we have Sky Sisk, who will be performing two roles this evening, as usual, whenever there's a, uh, a female role. She will be reading for Thorley, and also for Morrigan, a new character that uh, has not been introduced before tonight. And then also we have uh, Renard de Faru, who will be reading for Byron, the the general manager of WPHX. And in and I don't want to hear it, Vaughn. The book says soft G. That was obviously we're not going to get into this tonight. Are we going to do this every time? It's not necessary. <sighs> okay. So uh, if you want to read along tonight, uh, the the book is available both uh, from BlackWarrenBooks.com and from Amazon. The blackwarrenbooks.com link, it is an EPUB link, which you can download and put on your Kindle and other Amazon devices. And if you prefer ebook, uh, please go through the website because that gives us a, uh, a better uh, cut of the proceeds. Uh, if you do order it through Amazon, please leave a review because that helps us immensely with, um, with visibility. So as long as everyone is ready tonight, let us begin where we left off with uh, chapter 17. So this is Certified Gold on the Air by David M. DeMar. Chapter 17. Rick, what the fuck are you even talking? You know what? Tell me on the way up. We're almost back from the last song. They plunked the headset down over my ears and pushed the lightning arrester into my hands. Get up there and switch it out before your buddy fries the whole place. They pushed me out into the howling rain and slammed the shed door closed. A second later, I heard Anakin's voice in my ear. All right, check one, two. You getting this? I could hear my playlist being piped in over the headphones in the background. I nodded dumbly. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I can hear you. Great, fantastic. Stick the thing in your pants pocket or something and climb the fucking antenna already. I looked up at the station mast. I wasn't afraid of heights. Not exactly, anyway. You don't get as far as a dragon if you aren't at ease spreading your wings. But I wasn't enthused at the prospect of climbing 50 feet of steel during a dragon-controlled lightning storm while in human form. This is insane! I shouted into the wind, the rain pelting me from what felt like all sides. I stuffed the lightning arrester into my waistband and reached out, grabbing the access ladder that ran up the side of the radio mast. Yeah, well, satyrs aren't fireproof, Anakin said, their voice breaking up slightly when another thunderbolt shot across the sky. The next part of their response was lost in a crackle of static. 
have built-in parachutes either, so you're it. I began my climb, white-knuckling the ladder rungs and cursing under my breath. The supernatural storm thundered around me as I rose higher, causing the mass to sway back and forth. My hand slipped from one of the rungs about 20 or 30 feet up, causing me to scramble and shriek. Not my proudest moment. Thunder and lightning split the sky again. My headset crackled. Nearly over, Anakin said. What was that? I winced as an errant tree branch flew by me, missing my face by inches. I said the last song you had queued up is nearly over. They sounded faint and garbled. What do you want me to play next? Even with my ears, it took me a moment to understand what they had said. Are you, are you kidding? I shouted over the din. Just anything. Anything? Yes, please, put anything on. Thunder split the sky yet again. Uh, anything but Thunderstruck? Lightning leapt from cloud to cloud and then flashed down right next to the sub, hitting a street lamp and sending a shower of sparks across the quad. The headset fuzzed out again. You sure? Yes, absolutely. I checked the lightning arrestor to make sure it was still there. Listen, I'm almost all the way up. Just give me a little more time. All right, the link is at the base of the antenna on top of the mast. I heard a clatter over the other end. Tell me when you're there. I'll play the next song. Hurry up. The current track began to fade out. I gritted my teeth and went back to climbing as the new one started. A single hi-hat accompanying a fast-paced guitar riff. I wondered wildly what Anagat had chosen. The riff continued for a few seconds, something about it tickling the back of my mind. The song seemed awfully familiar. Then the chanting started. Wait, is this... This isn't... Anagin! I howled over the storm. My sister's ex-boyfriend shot across the sky above me, firing wickedly forked lightning from his gaping mouth and deep into the still-thickening cloud bank. Anagin, what did you choose? Thunder! The toms joined the hi-hat as the chant and the riff continued. Thunder! The bass line kicked in, driving the beat forward further. Son of a bitch. And damn it, are you playing what I think you're playing? You told me to play Thunderstruck. I said anything but Thunderstruck, Anakin. Anything but! I'm sorry, the lightning cut off. As if on cue, the link erupted in static again as another blast of electricity ripped across the sky. I can't fucking believe this, I muttered, pulling myself up hand over hand as Brian Johnson began screaming at the top of his lungs the only way he knew how. I was caught in the middle of a railroad track. Thunder. I looked round and knew there was no turning back. Thunder. Of all the stupid, overblown... Fuck! My hand slipped as I reached for another rung. A chill ran up my spine as I grabbed empty air, my balance faltering. No, 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 no! I felt myself falling backwards, away from the service ladder, arms flailing. I closed my eyes, taking a deep breath as I began to fall. My body thrummed with a surge of power. In a flash, my limbs elongated. The subtle scales of my arms and legs growing larger and tougher, splitting my sleeves to the elbow and the legs of my pants to the knee. My fingers transformed into sharp claws, as did my feet, which burst through my all-stars like they were made of rice paper. In a flash, my eyesight sharpened, my pupils dilating far beyond human capabilities. 
My hearing intensified as my ears grew into even finer points, as did my sense of smell as my mouth transformed into a muzzle of razor-sharp fangs. The back of my soaked hoodie flexed and ripped as a pair of leathery wings tipped with wicked spikes in the joints unfolded from my back and snapped open in the gale, buffeting me and slowing my fall. A thick, scaly, prehensile tail sprung from my backside. I swung it around me, instinctively using it to grasp the side of the radio mask, arresting my fall completely and giving me the time I needed to grab the ladder once more. I folded my wings down against my back to keep them out of the wind and looked down at my transformed hands, now covered with golden scales that glittered with each lightning strike. Fucking hell, I growled, surprised as always at how pitched down my voice had become. Well, it'll be easier to get to the top of the nest now, at least, I thought. Rick? Rick, you still there? Somehow, the headset had survived my partial transformation. Yeah, I said tersely. Just nearly slipped, caught myself. I looked up. I could clearly see the place at the top of the mast where the antenna was connected to the junction box. I'm, also, I'm almost there. I'll swap out the... Oh, shit. I looked down. The replacement lightning arrester was pinned between the badly stretched waistband of my jeans and my newly transformed body. Without the friction of human skin, the pressure being exerted on it was making it slide slowly across my now scaly waist. Shit, no, come on. I reached down for it. The replacement arrester slipped even more, now being held by just a rapidly fraying scrap of denim. I froze, not wanting to shift it even more. Uh, and again, do we have any more of these things? Thunder clapped again, and I jumped. The sudden movement set the lightning arrester tumbling from my ruined waistband. Oh, come on! I lunged for it with one hand, just barely missing as it fell from my grasp. It began to fall. In a flash, I unwound my tail from the radio mast and whipped it out, snagging the lightning arrester and wrapping around it tightly. I let out a breath I didn't even know I was holding. Brian Johnson was still screaming. And I was shaking at the knees. Could I come again, please? Any more lightning arresters? Anigan barked over the headset. No, why? I set my jaw, keeping a strong grip around the arrester. Ah, uh, no reason. Give me another few seconds. Climbing was much easier in this form. My hands were stronger, the scales on the pads of my fingers textured for better grip, and I could swing my tail from side to side to alter my center of gravity. In no time, I had reached the junction box. Okay, I'm here, Hannigan. Walk me through this. All right, open the cover carefully. There should be something in there that looks like the thing you've got in your hands. I hooked one arm around the ladder and reached out, popping open the junction box. The hinges snapped, and the cover got snatched away in the wind. Uh, no problem. I looked in the box. Okay, I see it. Looks like a giant spark plug. It's all charred. Yeah, I knew it. I pull it out and slot the new one in its place. It'll interrupt the feed, so do it as quick as you can. All right, I said. I reached inside the junction box and grabbed the ruined lightning arrester as there was another thunderclap. I looked up. Dags's ex seemed to be finally starting to lose some steam. The lightning bolts had begun to strike a little less frequently. The flashes a little less blinding. Can't keep it up, Connie? Maybe you should have thought of that before fucking over my sister. With as fluid a motion as I could, I yanked the old arrestor out of its socket. The audio feed to my headset cut off. 
Immediately, I slotted the other one in with my tail, unwinding it and seating it in place with a tip. The station roared back to life. Yeah, it's all right. We're doing fine, 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 thunderstruck. Yeah, 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 thunderstruck. I slumped against the radio mast. It's done, I said. Coming back down. Anigan let out a war whoop that nearly split my head in two, followed by a string of excited Greek. They kept it up until my back claws left the last rung and landed back on the roof. In that moment, with the adrenaline draining from my system, I flopped down on my back, reverting to my human form, the lessening rain pattering down around me. All right, Rick, that's it. You want to say anything to your listeners? I can patch you into the live feed. I laughed, wheezing. Sure, I said. There was a tone in my ear as the song began to fade. That last one, that last one goes out to my Uncle Dave down at the K Street Diner. Thunderstruck by ACDC off their 1990 album, The Razor's Edge. I palmed the mic on my headset and coughed. (coughs) This is Ricky Gold for the Night Nest, only on 96.7 WPHX, Laura University Radio. Happy Halloween, everyone, and enjoy the show. Chapter 18. So let me get this straight. The two of you forced your way out onto the roof, broke into the station's utility shed, conducted an unauthorized transmission transfer, and then climbed the mast to change a burned-out lightning uh, arrestor in the middle of a freak thunderstorm? Do you have any idea how many different university rules, OSHA regulations, and municipal laws you broke? Byron didn't seem very amused. Annigan and I shared a glance. To be fair, I said, I was the one that climbed the antenna mast. It was my idea, Byron. He was just following my lead. It was completely my choice. I could have said no. was the one who forced the door open, not him. And besides, we... Kept the station running? Enough! We fell silent. The two of you are absolute fucking idiots. What do you think would have been worse? Dead air or dead DJs? I opened my mouth. That was rhetorical! He barked. I closed my mouth. Byron started pacing back and forth across the garage, dodging the beaten up furniture that just a few weeks ago I had been sitting in when Anigan and I had met. Word of this gets out and you two would be expelled in a heartbeat. The radio station would be shut down, possibly permanently, and at the very least, anyone involved, even tangentially, would end up with a massive black mark on their records. He stopped, his back to us. People would lose scholarships, jeopardize their entire futures, all because you both had your heads up each other's asses. He turned around. I've got an interview with NPR in two weeks. You think they're going to hire someone who got his entire station shuttered and saw one of his fastest growing DJ kicked out of school? Fuck that. We're not going to breathe a goddamn word of this to anyone. Anyone. You hear me? It never happened. We both nodded silently. Good. Byron tucked his polo shirt back in and brushed some non-existent dust off his forearms. You're back on overnights, starting this week. We'll keep rebroadcasting on Saturdays, but for now, you two need to keep a low profile. Can you two manage that? Uh, Yeah, uh, sorry. 
Yeah, Byron. Message received. Fine. Great. Now get the fuck out of here before I change my mind. He raised his voice. And any of y'all hearing this better keep your damn mouths shut. You hear me? A burst of sudden activity in the hallway beyond was the only answer. Annigan and I left together, walking past about a half dozen students that pointedly ignored us. We remained silent all the way to the elevator bank. I pressed the call button. The doors opened, and we stepped inside. It wasn't until the doors closed that we spoke. Holy shit, I said. Yeah, not what I expected. Anakin pushed the hair out of their face and tugged on one of their, their ram's horns. At least we're not shit-canned, right? I sighed, slumping against the wall behind me. Would have been a lot easier if we could have told them what caused the storm, I said. Oh, yeah, that would have gone over great. Anakin snorted. Hey, sorry, boss, but a rogue blue dragon tried to take us off the air. Good thing the next king of the dragons was there to put a stop to it. They punched the emergency stop button and leaned over at me, glowering. The elevator stopped as an as alarm started going off. Were you ever going to tell me, your majesty? Fucking hell, Anakin, it's not like it's just going to come up in casual conversation. I slapped the emergency stop button myself, silencing the alarm and causing the elevator to begin moving again. And I don't want to be the Rasar, okay? It was a goddamn freak circumstance chosen by the fucking fates or some shit. Fine. Whatever. The satyr leaned back, folding their arms across their chest. The barest hint of a smile played across their features. You're lucky you've got good taste in music. And that Nico vouches for you. The elevator stopped, doors opening with a ding. I'll see you next time, Rick. They walked out into the first floor foyer, raising a hand in farewell. I sighed, watching them disappear into the crowd. I exited the elevator myself, slipping by students getting on, and made my way out into the early November air. Well, at least things should be getting back to normal around here. I walked across the quad, fallen leaves crunching beneath my feet as I made my way back to Condry Hall. A student with an empty campus mailbag was leaving as I walked in, so I stopped to check my mailbox, though I was half expecting Summers to have left me a dead pigeon or something. I pulled out a packet of flyers, which I began leaving through on the way to my room. Besides the usual crop of notices about campus events, there was one thing in the stack that was different. A bona fide letter in an envelope addressed to Ricky Gold in ornate hand-lettered calligraphy. Puzzled, I slid it open, pulling out a piece of embellished stationery printed on gilded cardstock. The message was written in sigil. Dear Mr. Gold, Upon review of your continued performance as a disc jockey on 96.7 WPHX, we are delighted to inform you that you have been selected to present a curated playlist live at the Palace of Wisdom. Please contact the Lady Amelia at your earliest convenience. I flipped the card over. There it was, clear as day. The official crest of the Palace of Wisdom, the mythic-run nightclub that was the cultural heartbeat of the Argent City. And they wanted me to play a set. What the hell have I gotten myself into? I looked down at my phone and began scrolling through my contacts. I'm going to need a lot more music. Chapter 19
It was early afternoon by the time I put my phone away and made my way back out of Conjury Hall, judging from the angle of the sun. My ears were still ringing from the call I had just made. What did I fucking tell you, Ricky? Our people are out there. It's just up to us to find them. You absolutely cannot quit. Mom, please. I don't know the first thing about putting together a live set for a dance hall, let alone one of the palace. If I show up with a crate of Ramones records, they'll cover me in honey and stake me out next to a colony of fire ants. You're not going to get the same sound from digital. You know that. Do you need me to have the rest of your collection flown in from Portland? What? No, I, I didn't mean literally. I sighed, pinching the bridge of my nose. I mean, can't I just uh, decline the offer? Decline? I pulled the phone away from my ear with a wince. Between my hearing and my mother's lung capacity, it didn't help much. I put the phone back up to my ear when she wound down. Okay, okay, jeez, mom, so what do you want me to do? I just can't play Darude's Sandstorm on repeat. So do your research, kid. The blues didn't help invent the internet, so you could sit around crying but not knowing down-tempo from... But not knowing down-tempo from Dubtronica. From what to what? Fuck's sake, Ricky, go to the experts. I rubbed at my face. What experts? It's not like I can go to the mall. The last Tower Records in the city closed like 15 years ago. I paused, grasping at straws. Hey, what about the record store that you were telling me about? The, the one in South Beckett? The one three doors down from the Roxy. Yeah, that'll do it. It'll have exactly what you're looking for. Trust me. And don't worry about the folks working there. If any of them gives you shit, you give it right back. You hear? Uh. Ricky, do you trust me? Something in her voice gave me pause, like when she had mentioned it that night at dinner. Y yeah, uh, of course, Mom. Then go now. Just don't spend too much time down there. Days are getting shorter. And for fuck's sake, stay out of Tolan Park on your way home. Her voice softened. You won't regret it. Oh, Ricky, I'm so proud of you. I mean, I'm always proud of you, but this is just amazing. Wait until I tell everyone. Her voice faded for a moment. Chad? Chad, come here. You're not going to believe this. The call dropped. I checked my phone again. It was barely two, which meant I should be able to get down to South Beckett and back to Alora with plenty of time to spare. The hell was she so worried about Tolon Park anyway? True to my estimations, it only took around half an hour for me to ride the line to where I got off the other day to pick up dessert. Another 15 minutes on foot through progressively, progressively shabbier blocks brought me to the corner where I had seen the Roxy and its sad-looking marquee. It hadn't gotten any better. The sign was still just as grungy-looking, its beautifully curved neon dim and dusty. The windows of the will call were caked with grime, and an errant gust of wind set the trash that had accumulated in the alcove, swirling in a miniature dust devil for a moment before dying down. Leaves and other detritus fluttered back to the broken pavement like a dying animal giving its last breath. I cupped my hands on either side of my head and tried to peer in through the glass. I concentrated, and my pupils dilated wide. The inside sprung into focus, revealing a foyer covered in threadbare, dingy carpet, walls with chipped paint, and high ceilings adorned with faded Art Deco scrollwork. Three sets of ornate double doors with round inset portals and tarnished brass handles were against the back wall, doubtlessly leading to the stage. Sweeping staircases led up into the darkness on the far left and right. Motes of dust danced in the scant light filtering in from the windows. 
I stepped back, blinking as my eyes readjusted to the afternoon sunlight. Shame, I thought, shaking my head. I can only imagine what it would have looked like even just a few decades ago. I dusted my hands off, wiped them on the back of my pants, and turned to look down the street. Where did Mom say the place was? Three doors down? I walked the short block past the Roxy, checking building facades as I went. I boarded up Bar and Grill, a rundown brownstone with graffiti across the front door. Finally, I came across the storefront I was looking for. Or at least I thought I had found it. It was a bare sliver of a thing sandwiched between the brownstone and a corner store, a bodega that looked like the only business that was still up and running on the block. The storefront was barely enough for a, wide enough for a glass door plastered with old music posters that had been taped up from the inside. A small display window that was crowded with a drum kit and a pair of ancient-looking amplifiers took up the rest of the space. It didn't even have a business name across the awning. The only thing betraying the fact that it wasn't a long-shuttered pawn shop was a small cardboard sign in front of the window where the words, I assure you we're open, were scrawled in black sharpie. The apostrophe was missing. I tried to peer through the cluttered windows to see inside. No dice. I was getting glimpses of a dimly lit interior, but that was about it. What the hell is she getting me into? My heart started beating harder in my chest. I don't like this. This is a bad idea. I looked back down the street, mostly deserted except for a steady trickle of people going in and out of the bodega. I looked up at the sky, judging by the time the time by the height of the sun. Well, I'll just I'll just duck my head in and leave after five minutes. That way I can tell mom I did it. I grabbed the door handle and pulled. A bell attached to the shop top of the door frame let out a muffled ring as I stepped across the threshold. The place was bigger than it looked like from the outside. It wasn't much wider than the storefront let on, but it went back deep, surprisingly far. I could see several rows of shelves and bins packed with LPs, cassettes, and CDs. There were handwritten signs taped up everywhere with music genres written on them. Motown, A to Z, Jazz, A to F, R&B, A through L, and others. Directly to my left was an ancient tan-colored cash register perched on a high counter. It had a huge tube monitor resting on a flat desktop unit that had half a dozen power cables protruding from the back. I peered closer at the long rectangular label on the back. It had the words Tandy 1000 RSX printed on it, along with its model and serial number. Damn, this thing is almost as old as I am, I muttered. Probably older. I'd like to say I didn't jump at the voice. I'd like to. I can't, though. The woman standing behind me looked to be in her early to mid-60s with a close-cropped pixie cut and a prominent ring in her left nostril. She was dressed in black distressed jeans and a dingy green cardigan, worn over a white graphic tee with the words, Corporate Magazine Still Suck, printed on it. She was wearing scuffed work boots. She arched an eyebrow at me. Take a picture. It'll last longer. Oh, shit. Uh, sorry? I winced. I mean, I just, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't realize there was anyone here. Doors unlocked and lights are on, aren't they? She made a sweeping gesture. Welcome to Morrigan's Music. She pointed at herself, then motioned to the shelving units behind her. I'm Morrigan. Here's our music. Records, cassettes, and CDs. You wandering here by mistake, kid? What? No, I, I heard about this place. I swallowed hard. 
don't be weird. Don't be weird. There's no other record store three down, three doors down from the Roxy, right? Nope. We're the one and only. She cocked her head at me. Where'd you hear about us? Uh, my mom. I told her I needed some music for the pal, uh, the the radio show, my radio show, and she told me I needed to come check this place out. Said you would have everything I was looking for. Eh, we might. She shrugged. You look a little young for a DJ. And don't you guys just play Top 40 garbage? I guess we've got some Bieber and Taylor Swift in the back. That new album of hers is blowing up like crazy right now. I wrinkled my nose. Ugh, no, please, no. I get enough Taylor Swift for my sister. I'm a student at Allure University. I've got my own show on WPHX on Friday nights. I blinked at myself. Well, I guess it's true for now anyway, unless I screw up again. Oh, so what? EDM for the Molly Poppers hitting the clubs? You can get Sandstorm off Spotify. Though, I think we've got a couple of the Prodigy CDs I can let you have for a bargain if you want. She grinned, showing quite a bit of teeth. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I might need some of that stuff. I've got a gig coming up because I was invited to play a club, but that's just a one-time thing. I hope. So I'm looking for some good EDM, and I don't even know where to start. My show, well, I mainly play like play what I like, because I'm on from 2 to 4 a.m. I even have a few listeners. Why do I sound like I don't believe what I'm saying? Morgan shrugged. Oh, yeah? Like what? Well, post-punk and post-punk mostly. Some new wave, a little bit of early 90s alt-rock, indie stuff. Even throw in some Motown if I'm feeling it. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe you are in the right place, kid. Her expression softened almost imperceptibly. Not enough for a human to notice, maybe, but I picked up on it clearly when the tightness eased around her eyes just the tiniest bit. I won't give you the tour. It's not that big a tour. I'll be up front if you need anything. I nodded, murmuring my thanks as Morgan slipped behind the counter and bent down behind it, mumbling under her breath. I took a walk down the aisle close to the wall, which was lined with all sorts of music ephemera. Open, waist-high bins filled with neatly filed record sleeves, cassettes, and CD jewel cases were separated by tabs with handwritten labels. Eventually, I reached the punk section and began thumbing through the LPs. Let's see here. Four skins, 59 times the pain, abrasive wheels. Oh, shit, the adverts? I pulled the record out of the bin. It was in a large, opaque plastic bag that had been heat-sealed along one edge. Only the album title... Crossing the Red Sea with the adverts was visible. I took the record up to the counter. Hey, uh, Morgan? There was a muffled thump from under the counter. The record store owner stood up, rubbing the back of her head. Oh, fucking. Yeah, kid, you need something? I laid the LP carefully down on the counter. Could I, could I look at this one? It, it's sealed, so I didn't want to just open it. She looked down at the record. Mm, I don't know, kid. This one's a little obscure. Yeah, I know. The adverts. Active from, what, 76 to 79? First real instance of a female punk musician? Played at the original Roxy in London like nine times during its first hundred days. Those guys? Morgan blinked at me for a second. Then she laughed. Hard. <laughs> you little shit. Yeah, that's them. How the fuck do you even... You know what? Never mind. She shook her head and pulled a butterfly knife 
from her back pocket, flicking it open with ease. Let me cut this open for you so you can take a look. Just be careful, okay? She slid the life blade along the edge of the bag and pulled the album out, revealing the rest of the cover. It was hard to tell from my angle, but it looked as if there had been some writing in black Sharpie that had been added to the cover. Oh, shit. Morgan breathed. She ran her fingers over the cover and set it down. Listen, kid, I can't sell you this one. It's got a uh, sentimental value. She looked up at me. I'm pretty sure this was reissued in 02. I probably have a copy of that somewhere. Let me check. She bustled away from the counter and set off briskly down the aisle, wiping at her eyes. What was that about? Knowing it was completely none of my business, I stole a glance at the album cover. It took me a second to understand the writing since it was upside down to me, but after a second it clicked. And my eyes grew wide. Tamori, with all my love. Next year in London with Lance. Thorley. What the fuck? I whispered. I spun it around and took a closer look. That's... That's Mom's handwriting. Morgan came back holding a brighter, less beaten up copy of the album. Here, I knew we had another one. I can't believe this one ended up in the bins. She stopped. What's the matter, kid? Looks like you saw a ghost. I picked up the LP on the counter. This... Who gave you this? Was it... Thorley Crin... <clears throat> Thorley Criniax? Morgan jerked at the name. Yeah. Wait, what? How the fuck did you know that? Do you... Do you know Thorley, kid? I set the album down, gently. Kinda. She's my mom. Chapter 20 Morgan just sort of stared at me for a second. You? She said. You're Thorley's kid? What the fuck? How did... Wait. She furrowed her brows. Didn't you say your mom told you about this place? I winced. Yeah, she, uh... She didn't tell me anything else, though. I swear, I didn't know she knew you or anything. I mean, I don't know why she... She never mentioned me. Her voice was flat. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. Your mom and I knew each other. I haven't seen her since the band broke up and she married that fucking pencil neck. Uh, your dad, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, that's... That's him. I shifted awkwardly before realization hit me. Wait, did you say the band? You don't mean the band. My heart leapt into my throat. The, the damsels? Her smile didn't reach her eyes. Damsels of distress. Yep. I played bass. She really never mentioned me. Uh, well, she mentioned a Maury once or twice, but I had no idea it was short for Morgan. My head was swimming. Wait. Mom sent me here knowing you worked here, and she didn't tell me either. I'm just as... Shit. I'm pretty pissed, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Imagine how I feel, kid. She sighed, running a hand through her hair. Listen, I'm sorry about giving you a hard time before. I thought you were just some trust fund baby or something. If I'd known... She trailed off, shrugging helplessly. Yeah, uh... I don't know what to say either. I mean... This is really fucking weird. 
Mom hardly ever talks about the damsels. She won't even show us any pictures. Us? You got brothers and sisters, kid? Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm one of triplets. Uh, fraternal, I guess. Surprised the hell out of mom and dad. I've got a sister and a brother, Mac and Dagmar. I paused uncomfortably. Um, I'm Ricky, by the way. This time, the smile seemed a little more genuine, though it was tinged with sadness. Well, I guess it's nice to officially meet you, Ricky. Still, this is a fucking trip, isn't it? She reached over and tapped the album on the counter. Looks like you've got her taste in music, at least. I smiled, despite the situation. Yeah, well, kinda. I'm the only one out of my sibs that's really into the stuff, the kind of stuff she listens to. Mac takes after Dad. You'd never know it from looking at him, but he's a huge thrash metal fan. Dags? Well, she's been groomed to take over the family business since she was a kid. That fucking fish cannery or whatever? Is that what she's been doing all these years? She snorted. She said having to take over was one of the big reasons she called it quits. Now she's dragging one of you guys into it, huh? Well, good for you for living up to your old lady's ideals. At least somebody did. She gingerly picked up the signed adverts album and slipped it back into the plastic. Hey, how's Lance been? Your, uh, uncle, I guess? I haven't heard from him in years either. But he was always showing up and disappearing. Oh, uh, yeah. Lance? He's, uh... I trailed off, not wanting to tell her. He passed away about ten years ago. I paused. I'm sorry. Morgan visibly deflated. Shit. She leaned back against one of the shelves. Fuck. What happened? No one really knows for sure. I rubbed the back of my neck, looking down at my feet. We think he got mixed up with something he probably shouldn't have. I looked back up, meeting Morgan's gaze. But, well, if you knew him... Yeah. Yeah, I did. She sighed and forced a smile. It sounds like Lance, at least. She cocked her head. You know you look a little like him? He wasn't quite as tall, hair was different, but... Yeah, I see it. Thanks, that... It actually means a lot. We all miss him. You know, he bought me my first guitar? She laughed gently. Did he? I'm not surprised. You any good? Nope. I'm fucking terrible. I grinned. I've got a great ear, but I can't song, sing, or play to save my life. So, yeah, spinning records at 2 a.m. on a lower university radio. I paused. And I kind of... Sorta scored an invitation to do a DJ a live set at the palace. Morgan's eyes grew wide. You what? How the fuck did you manage that? I shrugged, my ears turning red. I I kind of went viral. Dags has like a million and a half social media followers and she blew me up on her Insta. I guess that got someone's attention. Thing is, I don't know shit about dance hall music, and Mom won't let me decline the offer, and I'm pretty much ready to fake my death and move back up to Portland and... Whoa, 
Okay. Okay. Morgan put her hands up, trying not to laugh. Shit, kid, you're a mess. We better set you up then, huh? Come on, I'll break out the reserves. She brandished the adverts LP at me. Not this one, though. You can have the reissue. What followed next was surreal, to say the least. Morgan pulled out a few dusty boxes of LPs and cassettes from her back room, and we went through them together. It was awkward at first, considering everything we had just been through. But after a while, we settled into an easy rhythm. Her pulling out music, me considering it, and then, more often than not, going, on, going off on a tangent about its merits. Eventually, there was a large stack of LPs and a smaller one of cassettes piled up on the counter. An amazing mix of stuff that had me truly excited about the prospect of digging through them and building some playlists. It was a crash course in adapting New Wave and prog punk for a live set, and I walked up with some real interesting stuff. The Cramps, Subhumans, Flipper, Wire, Television. It was even a Bad Brains cassette in the pile. Suddenly, the idea of spinning records on the floor of the Palace of Wisdom didn't seem nearly as daunting, at least the light cast by the overhead fluorescence. Morgan slid the last box back under the counter and dusted off her hands. She began ringing me up. Fucking hell, kid. Looks like I'll be able to pay rent this month after all. Yeah, well, let's just say it's on mom. I pull out a debit card. That'll teach her to pull the wool over both her eyes for years, I guess. I shook my head. I still can't believe... I mean, why? Why shut you out like that? Why didn't she tell us about you? I'm sorry, Morgan. She shrugged. Yeah, well... I don't think we're going to get the answer to either question anytime soon, you know? I mean, unless you invite me to your next family reunion. She snorted, grinning. Imagine that conversation over dinner. She's so crazy about that nasty shit, the fucking fish meatballs or whatever. I handed her the card. Eh, it's an acquired taste, I guess. The Sibs and I can't get enough of it, honestly. She shook her head, handing my card back. Yeah, I'm not surprised it runs in the family. The ancient point-of-sale printer rattled and hummed, and she pulled the receipt free. She slipped it and the music into a pair of paper bags, then slid those into two plastic ones. So, 2 to 4 a.m. Friday nights? 96.7? Yeah, and the station rebroadcast me the following night at 8 p.m. I blinked. Oh, don't tell me you're going to tune in. My ears grew hot. I, uh, really? Only if you agree to plug the place. I'm not exactly drowning in customers here. She gestured to the empty record store. Things have been shit since the Roxy closed down a few years back. Fucking shame, too. You know the damsels played there back in the day? Huh. No. No, I did not. Turns out there's a lot I don't know. I frowned. What happened with that anyway? I glanced inside the place through the window. It looks like it must have been one hell of a venue back in the day. Kid, you have no idea. She slid the bags over to me and I picked them up, one in each hand. I tested their weight. Things are only going to get worse, too. Old owners fucked off to God knows where one day. Vanished like a fart in the wind. Left behind a mountain of debt. Bank repossessed the place and now it's up on the auction block. She scowled. I swear, whatever limp-dicked fuck of a development company that ends up owning that place better not turn it into goddamn luxury apartments. Fucking gentrifying shitbags. Jeez, Morgan, you sound like mom. 
I instantly regretted it as soon as I said it. Seeing her face just made it worse. Shit. I'm sorry. I didn't... No, it's all right. Not your fault, right? You didn't know. She closed her eyes for a second. Listen, you come back, okay? She opened her eyes again and looked directly at me. I know I talk tough, but this place is really hanging on by a thread. Between the Roxy closing down and fucking Amazon, well... She shrugged. And maybe... Mm, bring Thorley back if you can. You know, for old time's sake. Besides, she kind of owes both of us an explanation. Yeah, well, as long as you don't hit her with a baseball bat. <laughs> no promises, kid. She grinned at me, the facade back up. Now get out of here. I'm gonna close up early, pick up a fifth of Jack, and pass out on the couch in the back while watching Joan Jett music videos on YouTube all night. I wasn't sure exactly what I was feeling when I stepped outside. My mind was racing, to be sure, trying to figure out what my mother had been thinking, both in cutting ties with Morgan and sending me here. My eyebrows drew together in confusion, anger, and betrayal all went to war in my head. I think sadness was serving as referee. I set one of the bags down and fished out my phone, checking the time. Shit, I said, putting it back and picking, one ba picking the bag back up. It had gotten later than I thought. Luckily, the bus stop wasn't far. I should be able to get back to Alora before it got too dark. I rounded the corner and watched the UTA bus pull out in the traffic. I groaned. Well, the next one should be by soon. About 20 minutes later, as promised, the next bus pulled up, a much older model that looked like it had seen better days. I wrinkled my nose with the strong smell of diesel fumes as I boarded, flashing my student ID at the driver. She nodded noncommittally, and I moved towards the back, passing a handful of other passengers. I sank into an empty bench seat, arranging my bags carefully on the floor between my knees. I had about a 45-minute ride ahead of me because of all the stops, but the good news was that it would drop me right off down the block from the school's south entrance. Then, just a short walk to Condry Hall to stash the goods, get something to eat in the dining hall, and start planning some playlists. And that is the end of the current chapter and the end of our reading tonight. I would like to thank our incredible voice cast tonight who knocked it out of the park as always. We have Kez McDonald as Anigan. We have Renard Defleureau as the very angry Byron. And we have Sky Sisk pulling double duty tonight as both Thorley and Morgan. As always, if any of you want to read along with us, the book is available both in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle format on Amazon, and also in EPUB format directly from our website at Black Warren Books. Additionally, if you want to catch up on the readings that we are having now hosting every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on the Discord server, uh, we post them regularly to our Spotify. And the first one should, the last one from last week's should be there as well. Uh, once again, thank you all for coming out and thank you for listening. We, we, we do this for all of you and we absolutely appreciate all the, the attention and the time that you spend with us here every evening and also when you listen to us on Spotify. So that is it for this, this week, folks. And in the immortal words of our managing editor, uh, Vaughn Ardemont, stay safe, stay warm, stay loved, and have a great week. Blackmore Reads is a production of Alora Public Radio. Episodes are edited by me, Chris, and posted to Anchor FM, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Learn more at BlackWarnBooks.com. Black Warren Books. Be the hero, not a token.